It's the Friday Night Show with your hosts, Frank Brizzy and Walden Hughes. and Frank. Hi, everybody, and Merry Christmas. This is Walden Hughes way down here in Costa Mesa, California, and up in Hollywood. Boy, I didn't pronounce that very well. The one, the only... Frank Brzee, and I'm wishing you all a Merry Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, you know, Frank, it's another Christmas season, and you're here, and you've been looking at your Christmas cards. Any, any, uh, did you get, you and Bobby get quite a few Christmas cards this year? No, we didn't do any Christmas cards. We didn't. This is the first year ever that we did not send it out. And how about, how about people sending stuff to you? Have you guys gotten quite a few? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, 
right now, are you guys staying home this weekend? Is that the plan? Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, yes. We were going to have dinner. Just us. Just us. Mm -hmm. And we ran into somebody yesterday. We went to Costco to get our pine lamp. Oh, yeah, I went to Bristol Farm. Uh -huh. so we, got, we got seven pounds for 106 bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah, not bad. That was good. Not bad. Yeah, that was good. Well, now, how are you going to prepare, Bobby? Is, is it going to take a couple of days to get it ready? How are you going to put this thing together? Oh, I think you filmed it, if I recall. Yeah, I filmed it, and I 
And, uh, um, oh, and Planet Allison popped up. Planet Allison, that was a big, uh, Bobby's doing a little... Uh, no, it's, I, I did a little puppet. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was with the puppet. Uh-huh. She was with the puppet. She was, well, she was a person. I, I, I remember, I think in 1987 at the Variety Art Theater, that the night then we had two shows, you had Bobby do the mausoleum, and then we had a Christmas show, and playing Alice and with part of your cash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that was a big crowd. Remember, guys? I could not believe it. It must have been seven to eight hundred people in the audience that night. Yeah. Enter. Windows Media Player Default well, was, View. Windows Media Player. And uh, really, this is just about true. Uh, it was NBC at that time. They had two networks, and we were on one called the Blue. And uh, there was a bunch of guys sitting around playing instruments, uh, the orchestra, in the morning. They had to use them somewhere, yeah. and uh, they thought they'd put them together with some guy that could say something. And uh, I happened to be the guy. I see. And they had a bunch of singers that they had under contract, so there it was. Did they pay you pretty well in those days? Oh, yes. I got $50 a week minus the 10% for <laughs> artist services. But... That wasn't bad during the Depression, was no, it? No, no. I thought it was great. And the program was on uh, Heard Around the World? Yes. Uh, on the Forces American Radio. Forces Radio and Television Service. Right. And I also know that you introduced a great many people uh, to radio. Fibber McGee and Molly appeared on your show first. Yes. And who were some of the others? Well, of course, Fran Allison is the first well, one that comes to mind. Cooper, Fran, and Fanny, Allen, of course. Fanny, yeah. Um, you can search the world over, uh, and you'll find no one that has a bad word to say about Fran Allison. And, or Don McNeil. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But, uh, oh, there, there are just so darn many. Uh, Johnny, I hate to name them because I always leave out. So Johnny Desmond, Anita Bryant, you, go, you name them. They were on there. And they, they lasted for a long time. You know, in 1963, I was in Chicago, and I had my camera. Uh, downstairs at uh, the hotel yeah. and in the, in the dungeon where you did the program every morning and I filmed a couple of minutes of the Breakfast Club with you and Fran Allison uh, and Eddie Ballantyne and uh, the announcer and we're going to look at that right now. Well, we're delighted this morning on this Wednesday, the 23rd day of January 1963 to have a House full of television pioneers here this morning. Television. It's very cold at Betsy. No matter how you feel, just a right here on the table and a fun with Don McNeil. She came here for a visit yesterday, but there's some things I want to ask her. I'm going to bring her back again. Our old friend, Aunt Fanny. Oh, say, this sounds like quite a shivaree. Is this a private affair, or can anybody just uh, dip his oar in? <laughs> yes, sir. We're glad to have you. <laughs> Didn't you have an operation? Well, I wondered when you'd get around to asking me. <laughs> Yes. Well, I had to have uh, some dental surgery did. Dental surgery? Yes, I had to have a wisdom tooth extracted. Oh. Oh, my gosh. 
It just give me fits, you know, for exactly. a long time. Oh. For a while, I thought I was wearing my earrings too tight. I see. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It was the brain tooth, the oh. wisdom tooth. It was a kind of a wise acre, you know. <laughs> is coming to you from the Sherman House in Chicago. This is the ABC Radio Network. So until tomorrow, then, this is for your Toastmaster Don McNeil and the whole Breakfast Club gang. So long and be good to your neighbors. That film is really something to behold, isn't it? <laughs> That's the only time that program was ever put on film, to my knowledge. Of course, you did television for a year. That's right. But uh, the year you did television was uh, one of the early years, and people weren't ready to get up that early in the morning and watch TV, I don't think. Well, and the problem was it was a simulcast, and as you know, those things are no more. You were on radio and television at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and the sponsors didn't want to appear opposite themselves. <laughs> you spoke about Aunt Fanny, and uh, and we saw her on film, uh, Fran Allison, but we've got her here in person. Can you do a little thing with, with Fran Allison? I Aunt can do Oh, there she is. Aunt Fanny couldn't get here, so oh. I came. Oh, delight. I haven't had the heart to tell the poor soul she's out of work. Oh. So uh, I just thought it would be too great a shock for her. How wonderful it is to have you here. Looks 35. <laughs> 34, maybe. <laughs> On a good day. <laughs> well, anyway, it's been a delightful span of years. Well, thank you and everybody else who made it possible. I'm really delighted and thrilled. Well, so are we. Fran Allison, thank you very much. And yes. Don McNeil, thank you. Thank you, Fran. And you had a sign-off that you did for 35 years, I think, on the end of your show. Yes. Would you do that for our audience? So long and be good to yourself. Don McNeil's chief rival was Tom Brenneman, who did his morning breakfast in Hollywood program from out here on the West Coast. And I hope you enjoyed Frank Bessie's interview with Don McNeil. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful opportunity of being on this station. Bless the Christmas season. Thank you for letting your son come down and be born and to give his life to us that those of us who believe in him will be saved. Thanks for this wonderful Christmas season. Thank you for our listeners, our family, the people who volunteer their time. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's December 23rd, year 2011. I'm Wallen Hughes. We're going to have Patricia on. And we have special guests tonight. And and also Christmas Eve and Christmas night. So it's going to be a lot of fun having Patricia help me out. And we're going to do that top of the hour, but first, I'm in the mood for a Christmas show. Let's go to Christmas Eve 1948, the Perry Como Show. By transcription. Tonight, Chesterfield presents the Boys Choir of St. Peter's of Alcantara. <laughs> It's showtime at the Chesterfield Supper Club on the air five nights a week with America's greatest singing stars. Perry Como, Joe Stafford, Peggy Lee, and featuring Frankie Lane, the Fontaine Sisters, the Starlighters, and the orchestras of Mitchell Ayers, Dave Barber, and Paul Weston. All brought to you by the milder cigarette, Chesterfield. A. Always milder. B. ABC. This is Martin Block speaking for more than 6,000 wholesale distributors and over a million retail outlets all over America who always have Chesterfields on hand for you. And now, here with our Christmas Eve show is our star, Perry Como. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, supper clovers, here it is Christmas Eve, and a very exciting one for us, because tonight, for the first time, we are being televised, aren't we? I'd like to say welcome to you, our television audience. Welcome to the Chesterfield Supper Club. And if uh, you would like to, and if you feel like it, sort of uh, pull your easy chairs up a little right next to the television set and join our radio audience from coast to coast as we do our Christmas show. You are very welcome, you know. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, I found it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, I found it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow oh, yes, in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Oh, <laughs> Making spirits bright, what fun it is to ride and sing a sleigh song tonight. Whoa, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride and watch us open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a You know, there's something wonderful about Christmas. Something very sweet. Well, everything is so pretty, like, like a Christmas carol. Last night, the family kind of hankered to hear some carols, so all of us piled into a car. And we got out to the neighborhood church in Port Washington, St. Peter's. When we pulled up in front of the church, we sat and looked for a few moments. Ah, oh, it sure was pretty. Someone said the shrubs covered with snow looked like huge ice cream cones. They did, too, all spread out on a thick snow-white carpet. As we walked up the path, the sound of an organ drifted towards us, and the sound of children's voices. Uh, we opened the door of the church, and there before us stood a little band of angels. And uh, we listened. so wonderful to us. I wanted all of you to hear him sing. So supper clubbers meet the choir from my neighborhood church 
in Port Washington. Get a load of those angels and look at those kisses. <laughs> of course, I might be a little prejudiced about this particular choir because uh, there's a little boy in this choir that has that bears the name of Como, Mr. Ronald Como. Franny, would you step out, honey? Yes, that's my boy. Tell me, uh, Ronnie, you think your mother and Terry are going to be very proud of you tonight? Mm, I think so. Well, you have to speak up louder, you know. You think so? Yes. You think your mommy and Terry are watching on the television? Yes. Well, that's good. Uh, Ronnie, uh, I know that all your boys are here from your from our neighborhood. Rather, they live right around our home. And you all go to school, smile real pretty. They're going to take a picture. Quick now, smile. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I'd like to have uh, have you introduce me to some of the boys. Do you think you know all their names? No. You don't know their names? No. Well, you know a couple of them. A few. Just a few? Uh, well, suppose so what we do. Supposing we all, we have them all put their hand up, and as we go along, they'll tell us their names. Would you like that? Okay. okay. Let's start from this corner here. You stand over here, honey. Start right from here. My name is Walker Powers. My name is William Nichol. My name is Richard Trim. My name is William Trim. My name is James Buckley. Michael Riley. My name is Earl Harper. My name is Stephen Sowers. My name is Joseph Bell. My name is Paul Dumpton. My name is Bruce Graham. My name is Edward Lightfight. My name is Thomas Kasky. My name is Philip Lightfight. My name is Joseph Kasky. My name is Anthony Delphate. My name is James Hart. My name is Terry Como. <laughs> <laughs> Stand out here, honey. Let me get in here, and we'll find out how old some of these boys are and uh, uh, what they do for a living. What is your What is your name, sir? Richard Grimm. Richard Grimm? Yes. Richie, how old are you? Nine. Nine years old? Yes, sir. Oh, you're pretty big, too. Big boy. How about here? What is your name? William Kern. William Kern? 
Yeah. Do you belong to the Boy Scouts? Yes, sir. You're right around our home, aren't you? Yeah. Do you have much trouble with Ronnie during the day? No. Just a little? No. Maybe. Well, are you a bear or a wolf in your Boy Scouts? A wolf. A wolf. How about you, sir? What is your name? Paul Dumpson. Paul Dumpson? Yes, sir. Paul, do you go to school up at Port Washington? I go to, to, to St. Peter's School. St. Peter's School. And are you a Boy Scout, too? No, I was a Boy Scout, but I'm the American Legion Jump Corps now. Oh, you're an American Legion Jump Corps. Very nice, Paul. How about, uh, how about you? What is your name? Bruce Grimm. Bruce Grimm? Yes, Mr. Thomas. Do you go to school in Port Washington? Yes, Mr. Thomas. Do you have any trouble with my boy? No, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> you know, I guess you're on a spot here. You know that. I'll tell you what we do. As long as we're here, suppose we all do a song. Maybe, uh, maybe Ronald and I here could start the song and then have everybody join in. Would you like that, Ronnie? May we have a key on the organ, please? We'll do Adestivadelis, huh? How would you like to do it, English or Latin? Latin. We'll compromise. We'll do it both ways, see? English and Latin, right? Yes. like to, uh, uh, you, you've met the cast, the Fontaine sisters, Fontaine sisters, Martin Block, Hello. Mitchell Eyre, the band, we'd like to have you meet all of them right Howdy do the old comics. Well, we have uh, done our part, I think we should go over to the Christmas tree now, maybe have a little cake and ice cream, a little Coca-Cola, and uh, maybe there'll be a few presents under the tree. Uh, by the way, who decorated this tree? Arthur Godfrey? Yeah, I'll bet you're right, Perry. Arthur's been very busy the last few months playing Santa Claus and reminding everyone to have those gay cartons and Chesterfields under the Christmas tree. But you know something, Perry? Arthur has had a lot of helpers. Well, uh, what do you mean, Arthur? I mean the thousands of people who work in the Chesterfield factories. And there are more than 6,000 wholesale distributors and over a million retail outlets who always have milder Chesterfields on hand. Well, that's right. And I think uh, it's a pretty good time to pass along the best Chesterfield greetings from the friendly Chesterfield family, the folks who serve you with Chesterfields all throughout the year. And friends, as I add my own private wish for a wonderful holiday season, I hope you'll remember to ask for Chesterfields. Because when you do, you're buying the milder cigarette, the much milder cigarette that gives you the things that count. Now, I do hope you'll have several Christmas cartons of Chesterfields on hand. Because, well, 
It's like Arthur Godfrey says, give them Chesterfields for Christmas and you sock them with a load of good cheer. Well, supper clubbers, before we say goodnight, and while you're still wrapping the last of the presents, let's join with my little neighbors and yours too in a carol that I'm sure all of you know. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Perry Como saying good night for Chesterfield. Sleep in heavenly peace. The preceding program was transcribed. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
Best you marry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Bethlehem in Jewry, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. The which his mother Mary did nothing taken scorn. Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Christmas, everybody, and Merry Christmas to Patricia. Merry Christmas, Walden, and hi, everybody. It's not Saturday. It's Friday. <laughs> I came across a little tidbit of information today that just delighted me. Charles Dickens, who wrote The Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, had a statement, bah humbug, in there that is just universal now. But when he first wrote the story, it was bah Christmas instead of bah humbug. It is a very good thing that he didn't decide on bah Christmas because we might never have had an opportunity to talk with our guest tonight. Welcome, Dave Burns. Hi. Hi, Dave is a caretaker and part-time resident of Humbug, Arizona, and I am just so delighted. Last year when I, when I called and asked if you would join us for Christmas because we were asking people from very special places with very special names to talk with us, and you said, and I'm your humbug, aren't I? <laughs> which, which just delighted me. Well, Arizona um, is a marvelous state because it's got different um, geographies all over the place. You, however, have a magical place in um, abandoned gold mines, silver mines, historic sites, stories of prospectors and miners in the early years, and I am just so delighted that you're going to be talking with us about some of that. You are part-time resident in Humbug, yes. correct? Yes, I'm, the, I'm still, the caretaker there. You are the caretaker. I have caretaker and part-time resident of Humbug. Would you give us um, a profile of Humbug? Oh, okay. Now, 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 first of all, uh, the the name Humbug doesn't 
doesn't come from anybody being there, uh, being a Scrooge up there. <laughs> it, it really, it's kind of a mining term. Uh, the, the early placer miners uh, on Humbug, Humbug Creek uh, were, were disappointed with the amount of gold that they found there, and so they named the creek Humbug. And uh, the little town that sprang up there, the little mining town, just named itself after the creek. So it's, uh, it really didn't have anything to do with not being very Christmassy. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, all the miners there were uh, very, uh, very big on Christmas. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I'm going to ask you in a couple of minutes about the lifestyle, about uh, the families and how they survived and how they might have observed the, or even created some of the traditions of Christmas. So I'm, I'm going to ask you about that in a couple of minutes. And also about plaster miners. I, I've, I'm writing down notes here. Tell me uh, why okay, you... now you got it a little bit wrong there. It's not plaster, it's placer. Placer, P L A S S E R? No, P L A C E R. Oh, pl like place, uh, placer. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, now be ready because I'm going to ask you what that is. Boy, I'm glad, <laughs> okay. I'm glad I asked about that. How did you find Humbug? Oh, I used to, in my younger years, I used to backpack and hike a lot, and uh, I decided to hike down Humbug Creek, and I didn't really know that there was a, uh, a ghost town down there. I just kind of stumbled across it, and I uh, stumbled across the old caretaker there, and he was uh, clearing brush and um, was, was having a hard time of it, so I stopped and gave him a hand with it for a few days, and... Uh, well, I just kind of got to know him, and he was just a, a re really nice guy, uh, you know, an old cowboy and miner and prospector in the area there, and so he knew all about the area and all about mining in the area, and uh, I, I really wanted to learn about it, so I just kind of hung around. I started uh, coming in on weekends, you know, and giving him a hand uh, with the work and stuff there, and, and in exchange, he told me all about uh, mining and uh, prospecting and, and that sort of thing. You last year differentiated from a, and separated a miner from a prospector. Right. Yeah. The the the, the basic difference is if, if if you're making money, then you're mining. Uh, <laughs> if, if if you're not making money, uh, then you're prospecting. You're prospecting. I I've been telling people if you're still looking, you're prospecting. If you're mining, you're That's getting right. out what you found. Uh, now, prospectors are the guys that, that find uh, the, the, the loads and the uh, deposits and things, uh -huh. and then they generally sell the prospect to miners who go ahead and, and mine it. Uh, m miners and prospectors are kind of two different kinds of people. And prospectors, uh, although they look, they, they try to find mines all the time, they, they don't really want to be a miner. <laughs> And, and miners, um, they don't want to be a prospector because prospectors are always too poor. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Now, that's not something you shared with us last year. This is brand new stuff. Um, we've got hunters and gatherers here. <laughs> you've got the prospectors doing the hunting and the miners doing the gathering. Isn't that that's, interesting? That's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's pretty good. How did the humbug... Uh, now, we're talking about a mining district here. Um, first, could you differentiate uh, from a claim and a district? Well, um, a, 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 a district is, is sort of, um, districts can be different. They're, they're sort of tailor-made 
to the needs of the miners at the time. If a, uh, if, if a, some miners come into an area and they locate some claims and then they start working and then they find out that, well, other miner, other people are coming in and they want a piece of the action too or, or maybe there's disputes between the various miners over where this claim ends and that claim begins and so they need sort of a government. Uh, and so they get together and they form one, and it's called a mining district. And they make up whatever rules they need to make up. Uh, that's why if you're in one mining district, the rules might be completely different than they are in the next mining district next next door. Um, now the the Humbug Mining District include included several uh, mining camps and towns, and the town of Humbug was was one of those towns. And it was kind of the, uh, sort of in the center of the district, and it was kind of the gathering place for uh, various miners from around the district. Uh-huh. That's interesting about having their own set of rules. So if you were a stranger in town, you really had to hang back for a while until you learned what the local rules were. That's right. You couldn't just uh, walk in and, and make assumptions like that, or you'd wind up getting into trouble. Or dead. <laughs> True. Uh, well, or run out of the district. So I'll run out of the district. Okay, nobody was violent up there. This is good. Dave, would you tell us what the district of Humbug looked like in its heyday, and when was its heyday? Um, its heyday started around 1870 um, when uh, placer miners came into the area. I guess I never did tell you the, the difference between two different kinds of gold mining. Um, there's two different kinds of mining. There's load mining and placer mining. Uh, load mining is also called hard rock mining. And that's uh, if you find a deposit uh, in, in the rock, uh, in the mountain, and it's in solid rock, and you need to drill and blast and remove ore and then crush the ore, that's called load mining. That's removing the gold at its source. Now, if, you're, if you don't have all the equipment to do that, then, uh, or you're poor, you can resort to placer mining. And what that is, is you've probably seen this on TV, where you've seen guys down in the creek with sluice boxes and shovels, and they're shoveling material out of the creek and running it through the sluice boxes and recovering gold from it. Mm -hmm. The gold they're recovering is the gold that has eroded off the mountain up from the loads up there and come washed down into the creek and has washed down in the creek and gotten stuck down in the uh, bedrock down there and so they dig it out and separate it from the sand and gravel and to do that all you really need is a, a sluice box and a shovel and a pan uh, so you don't really have to have a big investment to do placer mining like you do for, for hard rock or load mining. So when you say um, a sluice box you're talking about like screening uh, it's pouring water through it and letting the sand run through and then holding back on the, on the bits uh, of gold? No, not, not really. A sluice box is um, like a trough. Yeah. Uh, you lay in the creek and you, and you let the water run through the trough. And in the bottom of the trough, you put a piece of carpet there and some riffles. Riffles are just uh, uh, little strips of wood that run crosswise. Uh, inside the trough, mm -hmm. so that as the water comes down, it hits those riffles, and it becomes agitated. Yeah. Okay. And what that does...